There's nothing stopping him from his return where he's taking the church out of here at the end of the church age. And we need to get ready for him to take us out of here. Can you say amen? But we're not staying out of here. We're coming back. Jesus came. He sent his disciples out. He said, preach the kingdom, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, open the eyes of the blind, get the, get the lame to walk. Cast out devils in my name. Set the captive free. That's a sign that the kingdom had come. And when you encounter the goodness of God, when you encounter the goodness of God, you want to give your life to Him. I think we got it backwards, family. I don't know. Jesus is wrecking me. He's smashing me up on the inside. Like, a lot of things, you know, you grow in the things of God and you see things a certain way. And then there's a new season that you enter into of understanding. Who knows what I'm talking about? It's so like when you were a child, you didn't understand what it was to be a parent. But when you became a parent, you suddenly realized what parenthood was all about. Can you say amen? You know, you're not married. You think, you have a, you think your marriage is going to be epic until you get married. You're, you, you, are not, you are not an expert in marriage until you've been married a couple of years. Can you say amen? There's some stuff you've got to overcome. You're just beginning to understand what marriage is all about. And so when God calls you into, you know, when God calls me to do this kind of stuff, it's like progressive uh, revelation, stuff that unfolds season by season as you mature in the things of God. And right now, my, this whole kingdom message that I started five weeks ago is just messing me up. It's like challenging everything I believe, everything I see. It's changing how I talk. It's changing how I think. And all I'm going to tell you is next year, this is going to ripple through this house, and you're going to shift into a brand new place of understanding and thinking. Because if it doesn't change in me, it's not going to change in you. You say, how does that work? Well, that's the, the law of the, lead, the leader. As the leader goes, so goes the followers. So the day that I stop growing in the things of God, you better pack your things and go find another place. I'm just letting you know. Because then you'll just, you'll just uh, become a swamp. We'll just become dead. I'm not going to stop growing. I'm just letting you know. Uh, I'm not, I'm not that person, but I'm telling you, you know, if, if I hit a stage of delusion, you all need to leave. Just a warning. Oh, you'll wake me up, Wendy. You'll love me. You'll hook up. You'll stay with me. I guarantee you most people would leave. I'm telling you right now, if I fell today, this church would empty. Don't fool yourself. Think that you'll stay with me. Because you hold me to a standard. No, let's talk. Do we want to talk? Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's be real. Can we get real for a minute? I'm in a lion mood today, as you can tell. If your marriage fails, you expect me to come and help you get it fixed. But if mine failed, you'll pack up and desert me. She would too. But that's reality. Can you say amen? Why is that? Because where God has placed me, I'm accountable. And if I violate what God has called me to as at the standard that I'm at, then I deserve everybody to leave. 
It's true. And what blows my mind is all these people that are doing these crazy things in all these other churches, because they dress nice, they drive a nice car, they have a nice building, people follow them. Why? Because the contamination of the leader will never be changed in the people. So if you want to live in sin, it's fine to go to a preacher whose life is in sin because you can feel comfortable in that and don't need a change. Rah. I need to take a breath, I think, right now. I just, I know, I need to breathe. No, because this is real. This is the nitty-gritty. This is the kingdom of God. This is the family of God. These are, the, these are the laws of the king, and we don't mess around with these things. When God says something, it's not up for debate. Can you say amen? We're not here deciding if we're the ruling party and like, if I like this law, God, then we'll institute it. And if I don't like it, well, I'm sorry, God, we vote you out. You do not vote King Jesus out. He was born a king. He will remain a king. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He created everything that exists. And either you change in the king's presence, but he's not changing to please you. He's a good king. And if you'll give your life to him, and you will surrender your life to his laws and his ways, if you come and be a citizen of his kingdom, your life will change. And you know, I'm just in the middle of it. Open your Bibles. Father, I just thank you for the truth. You say amen? Go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Set the captive free today. Break our hearts open. Do what only you can do, God. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. This is a story about Jesus asking his followers some questions. And if you've been in church, you probably have heard this story before, but it's a good one. Verse 13, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what do you what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That's good news right there. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. And so right here we read Jesus coming to his disciples and saying to his followers, you guys who are following Jesus, who do you say that Jesus is? Who is he? Who is he? Who do people say he is? There's a lot of opinions about who Jesus is. And if you don't have the right concept of who he is, then everything you build on, because he wants to build. He says, I'm going to build my church upon the revelation that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah. If your understanding of who Jesus is is on the wrong foundation, everything that builds on that foundation will be shaky. 
And let me tell you something. When people talk about religion, they classify Jesus in a group. They say Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius, some gurus. Then they talk about Satanists and witches and warlocks. And then add Jesus to the mix like he's one of the crowd, like he's one of those religious leaders. He's not in that realm. He's not in that class. He's in another realm altogether. He's the one that John spoke about, and he said, I was there in the beginning. I was the Word. I was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through me. He's in that class. He created them. He actually gave them authority on the earth. He's of a different realm. So don't insult Jesus by classifying him as one of the pastors of our day. Jesus did not come to fix a broken religious system. He didn't join the parties of his day, the Pharisees or the Sadducees. He wasn't part of the Sanhedrin. He was a total separate entity. He came as a king to establish a kingdom because that's what we lost. We didn't lose a religion. We didn't lose heaven. We lost relationship with God. We, got, we, we, we fell from a place of dominion and authority. Because that's what he said in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 28. Rule. Have dominion over the things that I have created. So by what Jesus brought back to us, we can tell what we had lost. We lost rulership. And we started living out of selfish desire, running after the things of the world, worshiping the things of the world. You know why God hates idol worship? Because you're made in His image, and He would never bow down before something He made. I made a car, and now I bow down and worship the car. That's ridiculous. He put you over those things to enjoy those things. People carve stuff out of trees and then light fires and sing songs to sticks with pictures. Say, it doesn't make sense. It's ridiculous. Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. Good story. It's Christmas, so we might as well read it. Can you say amen? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings. That would be fun. Gabriel appearing and saying, greetings. Favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne. Say throne. Say it again, real loud. Throne. Of his ancestor David, and he will reign. Say reign. Over Israel forever, and his what? His kingdom will never end. So... If you think that Jesus is just a religious leader, then your perspective of who he is is wrong. He's not a religious leader. He served as a priest, but he's not a priest. He can prophesy and tell you the future, but he's not a prophet. 
He can care for you as a shepherd, but he's not a pastor. He can bring people into the kingdom with a message. He can win the lost, but he's not an evangelist. He can teach the scriptures, but that's not who he is. He is a king. And he's the king of glory. And he's the Lord of heaven's armies. And he came to bring his kingdom to the earth. And if your perception of Jesus is anything other than a king, the Lord, what is Lord? Lord is an owner. Say owner. Why is he the owner? Because he created it all. He's the author of life. Say he's the author. What is an author? He, He actually wrote your life out. He actually described what life is. He created life. He created everything that exists. He is the original authority. Like if I want to find out who I am, I want to go to the author of life, and I want to discover who he created me to be. Can you say amen? I don't want to learn from Hollywood. I don't want to learn from what the culture of the world is about who I am. He created me. He knew me before I was formed in my mother's womb. He had a plan for my life. He put gifts and talents and abilities on the inside of me. He created me for something specific. I can't tell you who you are. But he can. I mean, I can. I can describe who he says you are. But man, when you encounter him, oh, that becomes real. That becomes real. Man, Jesus is good. We have to understand the characteristics of this king. We have to understand this kingdom. Because if we don't have this as the foundation for our belief system, then everything we build on will be distorted. So if the foundation ain't right, the house is going to be shaky. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Isaiah 9 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, say government, will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So when God sent Jesus to the earth, he sent a king to the earth. What did he come to do? He came to preach the message of the kingdom of God. That was his primary message. Look at somebody and say his primary message was the kingdom of God. Let me give you a scripture for that. In Luke chapter 4, verse 43, Jesus speaking, he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. So Jesus knew his purpose. He knew why he was sent. Jesus' prayer life, when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, we can, we can discover, even in his prayer life, this was pre- prevalent. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, who wants to enter into the kingdom of God? Who wants to enter the kingdom of God? Should be everybody in here. Listen, you're not becoming a member of this church. And then when you leave the church, now you're no longer a member of God's family. Well, we canceled your membership, so now you're going to hell. (laughs) 
Well, you left the church, so that's it. But if that's all you got, then yes, you left the church and your life's a mess. But we don't, it's not about what happens inside the four walls of a building. It's about your relationship with God and you're a citizen of the kingdom and you're not serving me, you're serving Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, 21 says, Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Ooh, sir. Family, we, we need to come out of the will of self. We need to go through a process called the wilderness where we die to us, and then we need to come into the will of the Father. We have to lay our lives down. Not my will, but your will be done. The process of dying to self, whew, super ugly. It's got crying. It's got shaking. It's like, ah. The, and most men don't think, most men think they're good. No, all men think they're fine, actually. I thought I was fine until I met Elsabee. Even when I met her, I was so full of pride. Elsabee is our spiritual covering. She's a prophetess, solid woman in the kingdom, in the glory. God sent her to us, put her in our lives to help us birth into who we are as sons and daughters of the Most High. And when I met this lady, I looked at her, and she was older. She's from South Africa. And she would tell me, the Lord speaks to her in dreams. The Lord speaks to her in the morning whenever when she's praying. And the Lord shows her specific places that He's going to send her. And then she'll pack her bags and get ready, and the phone call will come. And then plane ticket is paid, and she's being sent to where she needs to go on an assignment. I'm like, this lady's delusional. I'm going to help her. Shame. She doesn't have people helping her. She has no place to stay. She has to rely on these people to call her. And this was my mindset 16 years ago. And then she started talking to me about the cross. I'm like looking at this lady like, so Jesus died. Okay, great. And for three months, she'd tell me about dying. And I'm like, this woman's depressing. Like, I don't want to die. I'm alive. Things are great. Oh, let's go. Do you not know who I am? I am a youth pastor. I am from Africa. I am from the jungle. I am here to save America. Full of pride. Full of myself. Full of my own strength. Thinking I know everything. And just blind as a bat. And after three months of her patiently talking to me about laying my life down, the lights came on. And I got a revelation how full of myself I was. And I had an encounter with the Lord. And the Lord showed me my pride in this encounter. I had a movie screen. It was a round screen like this panoramic. And I saw my life. And the Lord would pull a picture out from a scene that happened in my life, and he'd show me, and I'd reel, through his eyes, I saw myself, how disgusting I was, how full of pride I was, how partial I was, how I showed favoritism to certain people, that I didn't really love people. What a rude awakening. And there will be a day when our lives will flash before us, and we will see 
who we are through His eyes. And I hope to God that your life is right. You know, there is, you know, they talk about the third eye. Anybody know about the third eye? It's called the eyes of your heart. And the Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, that if your eye is filled with darkness and you think that darkness is light, how deep that darkness is. You are super deceived. Now, I tell you, it just takes one moment for the king to expose your heart. And men, I'm talking to you in this building. Don't be like me. Hard-headed, stubborn, Arab by nature. I got the power. Surrender your life to God. Surrender it. Stop acting like you got it all together. I came to a place where I realized I couldn't provide for my family. That was a humbling experience. When the Lord called us into the ministry and we started losing everything because we couldn't sustain the lifestyle of debt. And we wanted to save our credit score. Oh, I'm messing with your business today. Because when I heard the assignment, we left everything to follow the assignment. That means we lost two-thirds of our income. We started a ministry when the housing market crashed in 2008. The worst time to actually start a ministry, wouldn't you think? When people are losing their homes and people don't have anything to give. For us, it was epic. Why? Because we didn't start a church because we wanted money. We didn't start a church because we, wanted, we felt like we, you know, we needed to. We started a ministry because I had an encounter with God in my office, and He called me to this ministry. And then several days later, He encountered my wife at 3 a.m. in the morning and told her, what I said to your husband is real. And so we stepped out on a word of God because we had an encounter with God. And everything that we've built has been built on that foundation. This here on Sunday morning... <laughs> This is just the root system. This is our root system. What does that mean? We're rooted and grounded in Christ. We're rooted and grounded in His Word. We're, we're connected to another realm. We, we are anchored in God in heavenly places. We're anchored, we're rooted in an unshakable foundation. That's what this is for me. I don't do this on a Sunday morning for any other reason. It's only to keep me right before God. This is part of my culture. This is part of what I do. It's not my job. It's my lifestyle. I would do this if you didn't show up. We did it when nobody showed up. I didn't do this for you. I did this because God said... And if this is our root system, do you know what the trunk is? Living by His principles. Living by His kingdom structure. And you know what the branches are? My family, Club Pure, the church, Pure Academy. Those are the branches. If this is removed from my life, the sap dries up from where the source comes from and everything will die. And if a branch falls off the vine, that branch exists, but it's dead. The only thing it's good for is firewood, but it will not produce fruit. 
If I disconnect from God, my marriage will fall apart. My family will fall apart. Our kingdom business will fall apart. I will leave my post. This year on Sunday morning, it's bigger than Sunday. Without this, I can do nothing. I cannot do Monday through Saturday. And what I'm sharing with you is that you need this too. And it's not just Sunday. This is a training ground for how you should live Monday through Saturday. And Jesus isn't a religious leader. He's a king. And he came to bring us rulership and authority. He calls us the church. You know that passage of Scripture that we read? And the gates will not prevail against it, the church. Ecclesia. You know what an ecclesia is? It's a governing body. It's his government body. When the king speaks to his governing body, they don't question him. They take what he says and they go take and do the orders of the king. Jesus doesn't have a group of people around him. And when he speaks, they say, well, Lord, let's think about it. How will the people respond to this? Well, we have 2,000 bishops. And 60% of the bishops don't agree with you. So we're going to vote that out right now. Listen, if you break policy in your company, you're going to get corrected. And if you don't fix, your, fix yourself up with the policies of the company, you will get fired. I do not want the king to remove the candlestick. What does that mean? I don't want God to say this church is uh, out of my will, not doing my thing. It is independent. It's running its own way. Get away from me. I don't know you. You're not doing my will. You're not part of my kingdom. You're doing your own thing there, buddy. Good luck with that. This is where we stand. This is like, this is like core of who we are, guys. It's not a show. This is not something we do. This is our lives. And we're teaching you how we live and how we're successful. And we're still learning. Can you say amen? Let me tell you about religion for a second. Religion is a very dangerous thing. Religion produces a system of external rules that put pressure on you to live right before God. Kingdom produces a culture. A culture is a lifestyle that is natural. It is a way of living that comes from a renewed and transformed mind from the inside. Matthew chapter 23, verse 13 through 15, Jesus speaking to the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those guys that he didn't join and be part of. This is what he said to them. He said, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, you're hypocrites, for you shut the door to the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves, and you don't let others enter either. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and Pharisees? You're hypocrites, for you cross land and sea to make a convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell that you yourselves are. That's a serious statement right there. Jesus speaking, telling people of the day that are supposed to teach the law to the people, not recognizing the Messiah coming. 
living for themselves, just living in traditions and their religions and missing everything. And then killing Jesus because he opposed their system. And he's saying, these guys, you guys, you're full of dead men's bones. You're all pretty on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. We have to clean the inside of the cup, and then the outside will be clean too. And we can pretend. We can come with the Bible. We can come dressed sharp. We can smell good. But what's really going on on the inside of you? And the only person who can fix the inside is him. He's the original manufacturer. He designed you. He made you. And he knows how to fix you. But if you're going to say, no, I'm fine. I don't need help. Then you can live in that world of mess all day long. Doubt, unbelief, worry, fear, stress. Wondering about who you are, what you should do, where you should go. And religion will keep you in that crazy cycle, coming to some place, doing all these things, and your life never changes. But let me tell you something. When you come into a kingdom and you meet the king, everything changes about your life. And you discover some things about you that no religious institution can teach you. I didn't go to some place to be trained to do this. God trained me. We're going to the roots of this thing, and we're going to rip it out of the ground, and we're going to get rid of it, and we're going to get people so free. We're going to get people ruling and reigning in life. You guys are going to become some brand new people. You're going to have brand new mindsets. You're going to see yourself differently. You're coming out of tradition, religion, self, the world, and you're coming into Christ. You're coming into the Holy Ghost, and you're coming into the kingdom. He's going to fill you with His love. He's going to set you on a solid rock. He's going to show you who He is, who you are. We're going to be a glorious bride. We're going to be waiting for the king to return. Can you say amen? Jesus is coming really soon. There's nothing stopping him from his return where he's taking the church out of here at the end of the church age. And we need to get ready for him to take us out of here. Can you say amen? But we're not staying out of here. We're coming back. We're just going to take a field trip to heaven. We're going to have dinner. And then we're coming back. Can't wait for my field trip. I got I got my dad to sign the the waiver. I am on the roster. My trip has been paid for by Heaven Finance. Oh Lord, I got so much bubbling in me. A couple of things about a king. We'll see how far we get, but say characteristics of a king. We've got to understand who this Jesus is. And if he's a king, then we need to understand how kings and kingdoms work. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. First Timothy 1, verse 17 says, All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king. Say eternal king. The unseen one who never dies, and he alone is God. Huh. The king that we serve will live forever. He stands alone as God. That means nobody sustains him. Nobody supports him. He is the one that sustains and supports all things. He's the one who never dies. You can leave it up there. He's the one that never dies. Say he will live forever. Say his kingdom will never end. He lives in the unseen realm. He's eternal. You know, I've never ever heard somebody, maybe you can correct me, 
But I've never heard someone from a religious group tell me that in their religious manuals, that one of their leaders was the creator of the heavens and the earth. I never heard of Muhammad creating anything. I never heard, I never heard of any guru creating anything. I didn't even hear of Satan creating anything. Have you? Have you read somewhere that Buddha was the creator of anything? The king we serve is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He created the eternal realm and he created the natural realm. And there is no other person that can claim or take that title. He's the God we serve. These other guys, they've got stuff. They've got wise sayings. They've got the metaphors. Let me think of one real quick. I can't think of one. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Say something stupid. He protected me and you. Yeah, they steal everything from the Bible and then they make themselves so cool like it's them who did it. Say he's the king of the eternal realm. He'll never die. You know, he came to restore Eden to us. Do you know Eden is not a physical place on earth? It's an environment. Jesus is not a president. He's not a prime minister. He's not a mayor. And he's not a governor. He's a king. He didn't get voted in. That means you cannot vote him out. His word is sovereign. Say, his word is sovereign. In his king, what he says is sovereign. It becomes law. So he's not elected by the majority. He is born into the royal family, and his kingship is in his bloodline. So I'm born again into the kingdom. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm the child of a king. And I'm in training to be a ruler just like him. A king owns his property personally. He has no bank loans. He has no mortgages. He doesn't rent. He owns it. So he's the Lord of Lords. Capital L Lord of little L Lords. When do you become a Lord? When you get property given to you. I'm feeling very Lordy right now. I got all kinds of property coming my way. Ooh, Shaka Zulu, baby. You've got some property coming your way too. When the Lord said to me in 2017, you're moving from renting to owning, do you know how many people in our ministry and those around us started shifting into owning their own properties? If you started shifting into owning your own properties when we sent that word, you were only renting before. I want you to stand up in the last three years. Let me see who you people are. You've all shifted into your own houses. Well, let me tell you, it ain't over. Look at the person next to you say, it ain't over. We're moving to the next level. That means the bank is no longer going to own a mortgage on your property. You're no longer going to have a loan. God is going to set you up, and you're going to get free from that. Can you say amen? amen. You're going to own it. You're not going to leave debt to your kids. 
if we can hang out here that long. Say, I own it. And it's, you just got to shift your mindset. Do you know that he owns all the property personally? And when a king decides in his kingdom to give something away, it can be a home, it can be gold, silver, jewelry, money, cars, boats, airplanes, buildings, property, he owns it all. When God decides he wants to give you something, nobody can stop him from giving it to you. That's why it's important to get into the presence of the king so he can release his favor on you. Because if you can hear the king say something to you, then it becomes yours. Uh-huh. And you know why? We've got to get into his presence. Can you say amen? We've got to get into that, that courtroom where the king is. But we've got to come in the right way. going to help you get in there. When you're in a kingdom, the king not only owns all the property and everything in that kingdom, he owns the people of the kingdom. This is where it gets really hard because we're raised democratic. The president doesn't own me. I am independent from my government. The kingdom is a different world, guys. And the minute we start talking about becoming dependent upon the king because we were raised a certain way, this is where our, one of our biggest challenges is in surrendering our lives to serve. And if your foundation is that Jesus is a religious leader, then all you think is they want my money. But when you understand that the king owns everything in his kingdom, the gold, the silver, you cannot bribe him, by the way. You cannot actually give him anything. Pause. Think. If he owns everything, how can you give him anything? It all belongs to him. You cannot bribe a king. You cannot twist his arm because he doesn't need what you have. He gave it to you. He's letting you use it. But when you surrender your life to him, he'll let things flow through your hands. He'll let you enjoy him. But then there comes a time when he says, now you need to give that house to somebody. Now you need to give your favorite dress to somebody. Now you need to give that money to somebody. What do we do? We say, well, I'm in the kingdom. He takes care of me. If the king asks me to do it, then I don't have any problem doing it. Why? Because he's got something better coming my way. He would never ask me to release something without giving me something better, but he wants to test my heart to see if my life is in the stuff or if my life is really in him. If I really trust that he's going to take care of me and provide for me. You can't give something because God said to give it and you not be increased. He will not be in debt to you. He even told his disciples, they came with a pity party. Hey, Jesus, we gave up everything for you. Our homes, our families, everything. What are you going to give us? big whining baby. He says, nobody gives up anything for my kingdom where I don't give him a hundredfold in return. You're not going to stand before God and say, you owe me. Ha. Ain't going to happen. Say, he's wealthy. The stuff we argue about, he walks on. His carpet is made of some precious stone that we... His carpets are made from precious stones. His servants that walk in his courts have got every precious stone built into them. The gates are made of pearl. The streets are made of pure gold. The stuff we argue about, they walk on. Lord, we need to take a field trip. I, man, I wish. I mean, this has been one of my prayers ever since I've had my encounters with God. I'm like, God. Could you please just take us on a field trip to heaven? Could you? We'll sign the waivers. We won't tell anyone. Take us for a tour. 
just let us walk through the gates. Let us see the streets. Let us see your servants. Lord, give us a glimpse of your glory, of your splendor, of your majesty, of your goodness, so that we can break free from all the things here on earth that we're running after. Kings command everything in their kingdom. They have absolute authority. You know, if people disagree with a king or dishonor a king, you're in big trouble. King doesn't have a council that discusses his ideas and votes to see what the majority decides. The king's group, the council is a group of called out ones, say that's me, who are there to fulfill the personal will of the king. His council is a governing group called the ecclesia, which is a Greek word, is a word we use for church. We are the king's governing body here to carry out his personal will in the earth. We don't get to vote on it. We're simply here to serve the will of the king, and it is an honor and a privilege to serve in his kingdom. Kings don't adjust themselves to their people. The people adjust themselves to the king. God is not a democratic politician. He is the king of the universe. He has an army. He's the Lord of heaven's armies. He's the Lord of hosts. He's got myriads of angels. When a king makes a law, his laws are supreme and not debatable. He says, I hate divorce. He says, don't kill your firstborn and offer it to some other god. Don't worship idols. Don't consult with witches' mediums. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat. This is not permitted in his kingdom. This is the culture of a fallen world. This is part of the world system's culture, but it's not part of his culture. And if we want to live under his, under his covering and under his protection, then we need to submit to the laws of the kingdom. This is not rules that the church is putting on you. This is you making a decision that I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of the enemy stealing, killing, and destroying. I'm tired of my life continually experience destruction. I need to be set free from the law of sin and death. I need to break out of these mindsets and patterns so that I can be free to serve God and live to serve Him. Coming from the heart, not some rules that people are putting on you to serve God that way. He's not like that. When the Holy Ghost comes on the inside of you, you get the power to live this way. God would never ask you to live a certain way and not give you the grace to do it. I'll read three scriptures and we're going to close. Ephesians chapter 5. Well, I'm going to close and I don't know what's next, but let's see. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 5. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of the world. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 12. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, worship idols, commit adultery, are male prostitutes, practice homosexuality, or thieves, greedy, people or drunkards, abusive, cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom. If you want to inherit the kingdom, you have to change your lifestyle. And it's your choice. Say, it's my choice. None of these will inherit the kingdom. Some of you were once like that. Say, thank you for your grace, Jesus. Yeah, we used to be like that. 
But we're not like that anymore. So we're not criticizing people who are stuck in the world. We were there. We were bound by sin. We were deceived. We were held captive. We had no power to change. But then Jesus came along and delivered us. He saved us. He set us free. And now we're free. That's the goodness of God. So you don't change by yourself. You come to Him. You come to the cross. You surrender and you say, I want to come out of living to do my will. And I want to die to this old life so that I can inherit the kingdom and live to please you, God. And it's something that happens in you. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies. Things, that, things like these orgies. I, want, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Revelation 21.8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, for the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, the liars, their portion will be the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This is in the Bible. You don't hear this stuff preached. You don't hear this stuff talked about. You know why? Because if people get up here and share this stuff, they will lose members. They will lose money. But I'm here to tell you today, we don't need your money. We need your heart to be right with God because He's a king and you're going to stand before Him. And God is giving you grace to get your life right. And if you will surrender to His Lordship and His kingship, what, when you give your life to Him, you become His property. And do you know that a king's wealth is determined by His people? Let me say that again. When a king's wealth is determined by the quality of life of his people. When the queen of Sheba rocked up at Solomon's temple, she fainted. She fell out. Why? Because the servants were so wonderfully dressed. When she saw the splendor, she saw his kingdom, she saw how everything operated. She fainted. For a, for a, for a queen to faint, it's like going to a Michael Jackson concert. When you give your life to Jesus, you're not giving your life to me. You know, it's not about joining some religious group. You're being processed to become a citizen of the kingdom of God, and you're being retrained as a child of God how the culture of the kingdom is, which is different from the culture of the world. And when you are mature and grow up, then God starts handing things to you. Why? Because He can trust you. Why? Because your life is right. And Misty and I have spent years... The Lord has worked on us some years now. But I'm telling you right now, we're getting ready to have increase put in our hands by the king. That's what's coming. In a way that we don't even understand yet. It's going to start. As we click into this new year, you're going to see it. It's going to be the year of the fulfilling of vows. And you're going to see things transferred. And it's not just transferred to us, but it's going to be transferred to you. Who have been faithful. Who have paid the price who have done what God has required. Can you say amen? amen? And so we're different stages in this journey, but the journey starts with you saying, I am becoming a citizen of the kingdom of God. I am surrendering my life to the lordship of King Jesus. That's where it starts. And when you put your life in his hands, he takes your life and he fixes it. 
Can you say amen? I'm just so glad to be a part of the family. No matter what you're going through, I got you and you got me too. What's up?